Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Jed Drinning, West Virginia football sideline reporter. And Jed, uh, this year exceeded everybody on the outside. And we talked about that with you before, about where Neil Brown took this program from having doubters being picked 14th in the Big 12 and all of that uh, to... Uh, a really good season, and then a dominant win over North Carolina in the bowl game, which, again, bowl games are a hard gauge of things, but with a young team like West Virginia that has a lot of guys coming back, it does feel like there is there is a lot of positive momentum heading into the offseason um, as opposed to nothing but question marks a year ago. Yeah, there's there's a lot of truth to that. First of all, Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year, yeah. And, uh yeah, and there's a lot of truth to that. And people tend to get particularly excited uh, when you have the straw that stirs the drink behind center, when you have your quarterback returning. Uh, as, as hot as Garrett Green got down the stretch, uh, the fact that he returns, the fact that so many of our, our uh, offensive pieces that were really helping us to get humming uh, in the last couple months of the season – and for that matter, we have some key pieces back on the offensive line. Now, sure, you're not refra- you're not going to replace Zach Frazier. You're not going to replace Doug Nestor at right tackle. But uh, we have some talent coming back at the point of attack as well. Uh, we have Wyatt Milam at left tackle. We have Tomas Remack at left guard. We have another returning starter, Jaquay Hubbard. We have Brandon Yates, who played uh, center in the bowl game for us. So a lot of pieces back up front as well. And uh, enough interesting pieces on the defensive side with uh, what we're trying to do in the portal to really get excited about this. So, Jed, going and winning that Dukes-Mayo Bowl, I mean, it was uh, obviously great to end the season uh, with a win. It was great to see Neil Brown you get mayonnaise dumped on him. That was a big to-do, obviously, on social media. But just what did that mean to finish with a win and to finish out a strong season on a strong note and, and beat a team the quality of North Carolina? How important was that to finish that way? Well, it, it definitely was the exclamation point at, at the end of uh, of a season that exceeded most expectations, right? I mean, you wonder, you never know what you're getting. Uh, like, we stepped into that situation against North Carolina. Uh, Mac Brown has recruited incredibly well for a long time, five straight top 25 classes. So they were losing and without a lot of key pieces, no doubt about it. But what they did was they inserted a lot of youth into the lineup and uh, the youth that they were playing, uh, whether it was their, their freshman quarterback or whether it was some of the other freshmen in key spots, they were excited to be there. And maybe that wouldn't have been the case 
with some of their veteran starters who just a couple months ago were ranked in the top 10 when they were part of 6-0. and So we really didn't know what to anticipate. It was kind of a tricky bowl game to prep for. So the fact that we don't think we play our, our best football game, but we played well enough to take care of business in all three phases uh, and make some critical plays and some explosive plays on the offensive side. It took us a while to get the run game going until the second half. Uh, special teams-wise, Beanie Bishop uh, takes advantage of an injury and steps in to return some punts for us. And I was excited to, to, for Beanie to show NFL scouts what he could do returning punts in addition to being a consensus All-American at corner. Uh, and then on the defensive side, guys, we were on the field the way that first half unfolded for 39 snaps in the first half. And even in the third quarter, North Carolina kept controlling the football game uh, from a snap count standpoint. And the defense kept dig- you know, digging down and brought their best when we needed to turn that corner at the most in the third quarter. So uh, it, was a, it was a three-phase effort, not complete, not for the time capsule, uh, but a great way to finish the season. And it, it definitely would have tasted differently, you know, wrapping things up, uh, falling short in a game like that as opposed to coming out on top. And, and by the way, Neil is not a fan of mayonnaise. So that <laughs> made that I, I was following him up to the corner. Uh, they have this little carve out in this corridor where they, where they do this. It's kind of ritualistic. And, and it very much had the feel when he came off the stage, as I followed him to the corner toward that corridor, I, I've said this many times since. I felt like I was following John Coffey up the Green Mile. I mean, he, it, it, it had an execution feel, a mayonnaise execution feel to it. But, but boy, oh boy, it was a uh, it was a fun way to end the season. Yeah, there like there is not many more like divisive condiments than mayonnaise. Like you either are totally fine with it or you totally hate it. Like it's it's kind of like being yeah. like it's like the Dallas Cowboys of of condiments you're either completely obsessed with it or you completely hate it nobody's indifferent about the cowboys nobody is your point my wife likes mayo but she hates miracle whip and i'm like well you know i I can flow with either but and you know guys what they do i don't know if it's it's some process to help that much mayonnaise but maybe they throw several extra gallons of vinegar in there but it has a smell to it oh what they dump on the coach yeah that there were people filming the mayo trail because Neil literally had mayo leaking off of him as he was making his way back to the locker room and the stench and the smell because of the added ingredients to it. It was it was something else now. Yeah, because it's got to fall. Like if you just had a regular like plop, it was just, like, plop. It was yeah, just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'd yeah. hold it there forever and, and have to wait on gravity. So, Jed, as they head to this offseason, you mentioned the portal, and they, in the early days of the portal, I think nobody was probably victimized in larger numbers than West Virginia was. Uh, and Neil Brown navigate, has navigated that storm in the last couple of years pretty well. How do you feel Has he, like now, pointing the sip in the direction of knowing what he wants and how to get it out of the portal? Well, in the early days, like a lot of programs, I felt like we were somewhat ambushed by it. We kind of had to wrap our heads around it. And what's really helped along the way is the trust. I mean, we've had to get to the point with the Country Roads Trust where it's at least stabilized things to give us a puncher's chance to make some offers, uh, some competitive offers. Whereas two, three years ago, that wasn't necessarily the case. We weren't in a position to do that. And, and what, one of the guys that has made a tremendous difference for us, uh, it's a name that would be familiar to folks down in your, your neck of the woods, Drew Fabianich who had that long stretch with the Cowboys in their scouting department. Uh, Drew Fabianich spent one year at Auburn, 
uh, as their general manager before Brian Harson was jettisoned last year. Well, we gained from that in that Drew became West Virginia football's first ever GM for us. So he stepped up here, and he's kind of running point on that. He's the guy who is scouting what's available in the portal. Uh, he's a guy who's studying our roster, understanding the needs, understanding what it takes to win in the Big 12. And uh, I, I tell you what, he's found some value. He really has. I mean, the addition of Drew has, has been – it might not get the fanfare, but in my estimation, that has been a huge part of what we're trying to do. Jed, when you look at uh, who's already exited and, and who's already declared to be, be coming in next year, what kind of, uh, I guess, do you turn your eyes towards when it comes to this roster and any potential uh, movement one way or the other as far as being important heading into the next season or this offseason? Well, as you guys know, this is wave one. Wave two is going to come in May. Mm-hmm. So it's not a finished product, and nor will it be really to August, right? Uh, that, that, that's how things have changed. But we've addressed a lot of things on the back end. Uh, in other words, we have some critical pieces returning because we had such a deep rotation on the defensive line. That was one of the pleasant surprises with this defense was there were times we went as many as eight, sometimes even nine men deep in that rotation. Now, we've been hit with a couple portal uh, losses there, but we return a lot of talent and a lot of youth that I think is ready to take the next step as well. And we have some critical youth in the linebacker room. And we've also helped from a portal standpoint there. But the place defensively that we've really been most aggressive is on the back end. Uh, and I don't think we're done yet. And when you look at what we had to do offensively, there weren't as many needs because of what we do stand to return. But we're still picking and choosing some spots that we do think will help us. And, I, again, you guys touched on it. In years past, we might not have been as happy with where things stood here the first couple of days of January after the first portal window closed. Uh, but right now, I mean, you're always going to have some attrition. That's going to be the case everywhere. I mean, I looked at the national championship game. I mean, we, we've talked all year long about how this Alabama, not the national championship, the CFC semifinal, how this Alabama offensive line has struggled. It was very unmixed saving life. They gave up the second most sacks in the SEC. Every time I watched Bama, it didn't feel like when I was watching them offensively, it was a Nick Saban offense. Well, when you look at what they lost on that offensive line in the portal, this is Alabama. This is the bluest of the blue bloods. They lost a five-star tackle, as we know, to TCU. They lost two other four-star tackles. They lost a four-star interior offensive line. These are all freshmen. These were guys that would have played for Alabama this year but aren't there. So even Alabama is impacted by it. Every program is impacted by it just in different ways. And, of course, West Virginia is not beyond reproach when it comes to that. But in terms of what we have lost versus what we've gained, this is probably the best spot that we found ourselves in since this, this new climate with the portal. Based on the, the way that they finished, the teams coming in, how do you feel about them positioned for what is now the new, new Big 12? Yeah, kind of exciting, right? Uh, I, I think the, the one thing when I look at this new league, and that's not to say that wasn't the case in years past with Texas and Oklahoma, because it certainly was, but I think you're going to have more parity maybe than any other league. Some of the other leagues might be a little more top-heavy. But when you look at the Big 12, I don't know if that's the case, because a compelling argument can be made for so many different teams that would be among those top two or three if you want to categorize it that way. It's so difficult to forecast what that might look like. And, and quite frankly, the biggest thing that I see, especially when I expect improvement, out of the four newbies this past year, 
you realize how stabilized the newcomers next year already are, how fortified they already are coming in. But, uh, guys, there's really no empty chairs. And it's going to be difficult. You better strap it on and bring it each week uh, because there's no layups. It's going to be highly competitive. The parity is going to be incredible. I, I think it's just going to be a function of the most consistent football team has a chance to be the best football team because there's going to be such a high degree of parity in this league. Yeah, I mean, if you if you ask me next August, who's the best team in this league? I have no idea. None. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. It really isn't. And uh, I think, like you guys talked about, in, in, in a past life, maybe we could have looked at the bowls and used that to project something, but not really. I mean, I was sitting there trying to forecast, like, maybe if we have a good enough showing, uh, West Virginia can land in the final top 25. But, you know, it's probably a stretch because there were eight teams getting votes outside the top 25. We were not one of them. So all the things go have to cut our way. We were getting some votes in the coaches' poll. But I do fully expect West Virginia and several others in the new Big 12 to be in the top 25 preseason from a preseason standpoint. And uh, we open with Penn State. So we're going to hit the ground running August 31st. And it's exciting. I mean, there's already a tremendous amount of buzz. That's already nearly an impossible ticket to get in Morgantown. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to some really high-quality football in this new league with this new landscape. So, Jet, uh, as, as Paul pointed out and we kind of mentioned throughout, I mean, there was a lot of heat heading into this season. That, that chair that Neil Brown was sitting on was, was turned up pretty good, and, and obviously he's cooled that down immensely. But how would you describe just kind of the general feel? And I know you're speaking from more of a, a media standpoint and all that, but you also get a, a gist of the fans. Has a lot of that just, I guess, um, wondering and, and questioning, has that kind of died down with what Neil Brown did this year from the fan base, or is it just kind of like fan bases are and there's always something that, that is going wrong? A little bit of both. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think by and large, most of it has people, they, they've turned a corner and they're on board with where we're heading. Uh, but fans can be stubborn, and I think sometimes, what was the name of the owner in Major League that kept pulling for the team to lose? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, yeah, yeah. I, I, I told people, I'm like, don't be her. All right. Yeah, don't, right. don't be that gal. I mean, don't pull for us to lose just to prove yourself right. I mean, that's a miserable way to exist, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like to live in hope. And uh, I said that all year, even before we started turning this corner. And I think that's how most people have kind of approached this. I mean, fans can be stubborn sometimes. So there's some people who just don't want to admit that maybe they were wrong. And, and I've tried to explain to people, I'm like, look, the truth of it is this. It's not an excuse. It's the reality in which we exist. This is not the job Neil Brown was hired to do in 2019. This right. is not it. I mean, the job that he took over in 2019 was to take over a program with a tremendous amount of brand equity, the 15th winningest program of all time. Yes, the cover was there, but Neil embraced that. He leaned into that, and he's like, hey, give me two or three recruiting cycles, and I'll do what West Virginia's done for the last 100 years. I'll take undervalued assets that are two and three stars that are ticked off with a chip on their shoulder. I'll develop them for four to five years and produce more NFL talent than we have any business ever producing. And then all of a sudden, his second year, here comes COVID. And then shortly after that, 2021, here comes the portal. Here comes denial. I, I try and explain to folks, college football 1.0 was an amazing game, but it's over. It was Rutgers-Princeton 1869 all the way up to 2021. We now reside in college football 2.0. Stop explaining to me how Major Harris took us to the national championship. That was college football 1.0. Major Harris, quite frankly, there's probably a good chance he'd been a heck of a quarterback for Ohio State if he played in this era. I mean, how would we have kept Steve Slate 
after the Sugar Bowl as a true freshman breaking Tony Dorsett's record. Can you imagine trying to hang on to Tavon Austin and the rest of your roster? It's just you have different challenges that no previous coach has ever experienced. So Neil has had to adjust on the fly. And as you guys said, early on we were kind of ambushed, but we lost a lot of talent. There was a lot of attrition. There was a lot of hemorrhaging. But to this, to the extent that there was three, four years ago, there really isn't now. So I think he's pivoted. He's adjusted on the fly. And I think he's done a great job at doing it. So that's why I think people need to be excited as to where this is heading. Jed Drinning, West Virginia football sideline reporter. Jed, thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. Appreciate it, guys. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.